0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Pod Jerky. I am your host Tom and on today's episode we have our special guest Joe Ashakshi and he is a musician as well as a digital marketing specialist. Welcome to the show Joe. Thank you, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks Tom. No problem. So, getting into your career path or into the music first, which one do you want to discuss? Uh, I'd have to say it all started with music, so why not start there? Okay, perfect. So, you did start off with music and I believe you dropped your first album what, in
1: two thousand and seven, yeah, it's around. It's about right. Yeah, if you did some research, there I could see uh, two thousand and six. Yes. I believe was pretty much around that time. Two thousand six, two thousand seven was. Well, technically, I've had stuff in two thousand that was released, but it was more underground. So officially, the the album that was released in two thousand six was distributed. So you could you could say officially, yeah.
0: Okay, and your genre is what do you classify it as? Electronic dance music, hip hop. That's
1: a good question. A lot of people ask me this is basically it started as Urban World, which was a mix of French, Spanish, Arabic, and then it moved on to uh, EDM, so electronic dance music. And just now I just have fun with acoustic sounds like uh, guitars, uh, keyboards, and I just like to mess around a bit more with the natural sounds.
0: And you go by the name of Excella? That's right,
1: Excella. So I've been known for that for for many, 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 many years. Uh, It stuck around throughout my career and just with me. And it's just something that resonates with me because it just represents doing the best, you know, what you want to do in life, doing what you love and uh, doing it well. That's your personal mantra, right? That's my personal mantra. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So what was the motivation to get into music?
1: Well, I don't think you really I think there's no like when you get into music, it's not necessarily motivation. I think it's just something that pulls you in. And it's always been like that since the age of five. Like since I heard, uh, as you can see behind me, Michael Jackson, Billie Jean. Yeah, that was the first song that I heard on a record on a vinyl in my uncle's basement, just jamming to it. And it's like it becomes intuition. It's like the first thing that you kind of learn how to sense if you will so then everybody has that thing right so when I was younger it was just that I would hear it and then I you know it, it would just kind of compel you and then and then further along the road there's just been all these signals and all these signs around me that kind of like even amplified the passion even more like I went on family trips to like Florida in the hard rock cafe and I'd watch a guitarist play a solo and it was like wow like this is I'm vibing this like I want to do that so that at that age it's like it's something that pulls you in and then at many many times and further down the road even when when i wanted to quit for some reason you know it just got me back into it like even in university when i when i went to pursue my studies there was other opportunities that opened up in music and and i didn't necessarily go after them they came they kind of like just appeared and that's the kind of like the thing that's been constantly luring me in is that it has never never gone away and that's kind of like a passion I like to hold on to
0: yeah and i've had another independent music artist on the show already and he said kind of the same thing where he didn't kind of pursue the uh, art of music but it's just in him him. It's part of who he is and he's never going to give it up. And he's also a fantastic artist. And if he sticks with his music, it actually is really, really good. But at this time right now, it's just kind of put onto the back burner. But he says it, it never dies. It's always with him and he'll continue to do music as well. I agree 100%. I mean,
1: it never does leave you. It's not something that you need to have your health for necessarily. Like you don't have to be. It's not like an athlete where you have to be you know, fully performing. I mean, all you need to do is be able to play an instrument and you can see people at, at very, very old ages just playing the piano like crazy. So, you know, it's, it's something that uh, that's in you and will stay in you. So when did you realize that you had the talent to do this? Probably high school. It was probably not a conscious thing like me saying, oh, I have a talent for it. But it was more of the reaction of people seeing them in high school where, you know, me and a buddy of mine who still does music till this day, uh, he's a producer in Montreal, works with great, great artists. And we linked up and uh, it became a way that I wanted to express art. And the more I would do it, the more I would study it and then I would present it to people, you know, started with just like small groups, friends, families. But then slowly but surely, it becomes the thing that everybody just notices you for. And it's just like, oh, yeah, in high school, that's what we became known for. If you ask anybody who was in our age group, they would say uh, we had back then we had a group called G.I. Joe. You know, my buddy's name was G and I was Joe. And, you know, together we were G.I. Joe. So it was like it was this funny thing. But that's when at that young age, we were able to experiment, and have fun with it. And I think at that age, that's when we started realizing that I don't know It was we realized that it was a talent, but more probably of a passion because the more we did it, the more we got better at it and the more we wanted to study other artists and other people who inspired us and other musicians.
0: Now, we've done a five-part series so far. We're just wrapping up our fifth episode on Canadian music. And we've actually talked to quite a few guests. So we've actually been in contact with Thrust. We've been in contact with Finger Eleven, uh, Brian Adams, actually, Choclair. you know, a a couple of the big Canadian artists that have been out there. And their one thing about Canadian music was it was so hard to get noticed in Canada did yeah. you see any hurdles being in Canada as opposed if you were in the US for music yeah there's like a huge dialogue on that and I think that over the years my mentality has been evolving
1: with it but there was a time where I would say yes it was it was difficult as a Canadian artist but it's more of a paradigm I think because most people in their own country I find it difficult for them to to be known I don't know it's just because it's maybe it's too common you're all too common to people here but when you travel and you go and you start traveling to say to france or even you go down to new york or you start collaborating with people it's just like people just associate that with you making moves and you kind of like expanding your network and so on and i'm not the first i'm not the last to say it celine dion you'll have other artists uh, that have been in our surroundings like even in the french uh, market like corneille you'll have Massari. you'll have carl wolf you'll have all these artists and a lot of them had to travel and, and go far and they went to get mtv awards in other countries and and such things and Celine Dion also did this. I remember reading her biography and she, she got a second place or first place at some European contest at a very young age. And when she came, by the time she came back to Canada, like it's like all the news reporters were waiting for her at the airport. So, I mean, it's a common thing, but I think that now the consciousness, people are beginning to understand that it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You can be in Timbuktu and you could be an amazing musician or artist. And as long as you have the internet to relay that music to the world, then there's a chance that you can make it it and the proof of it is you know we have tons of artists that came out of Ottawa too like I'm in Ottawa Canada I lived in Montreal I have a lot of family in Toronto as well and we've been back and forth but you know there is artists that started here and in and, and people who are in the industry like friends of ours uh, that uh, eventually became managers of uh, the people like the weekend or it's not far like Belly's from Ottawa Masari. Uh, you know Carl Wolf's back and forth uh, so it's possible you know more and more you become you realize that it's not necessarily a geographical thing. I think today there's a big, there's a paradigm shift at least.
0: Well, yeah, that's interesting because talking to the other artists, I mean, they were coming out in the nineties, the early two thousands and social media wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And it's a lot easier to get your material out today than it was back in the nineties. So they were having a hard time distributing it. And what they talked about was if you didn't have the cash back then there was no chance that you were getting your name out there because you were just trying to shop it to different record producers or trying to get your stuff made onto like CDs or cassettes or whatever it was. Back then, but now with the social media platforms, all of your stuff getting released onto YouTube or any social media platform for that matter gets you a lot of likes, gets you a lot of hits, and all that stuff. So it was a lot harder back then than it is today to get noticed.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I just think that in the past things were very much centralized. If you look at radios, for example, they were much more prevalent. You would play your song on the radio, and you could instantly be noticed by a large part of the community or the or the country for that matter. If you go even further, the time where they only had had one radio station for the whole country in the in the U.S. They would, ha- they would have a vinyl and they'd play that vinyl. Whoever got on that radio station was an instant star. And uh, more and more what's been happening is that music has been, I think it's just been, I don't want to say diluting, but what happened when iTunes came around and when the digital world came around, it made this even playing field for all musicians, big record labels and small artists alike. And that kind of unbalanced even the larger record labels They're like what's going on? Like even Warner Universal all these some of them went bankrupt they stopped sony is not operating like they used to they're really looking for the pulse of the independent artists now and uh, you know and they want to see what they can do first on their own directly connecting with their audience and uh you know via itunes youtube social media and, and all those platforms and then you know if there's a chance like for example justin bieber got noticed on youtube what an incredible time when you can just play a song like and that was not a professional video by whatsoever it was just him sitting down and just got a lot of views so, so you know it shows you like how times have changed i wouldn't say it's necessarily easier now i wouldn't say it's easier but there was a time where there was a window that opened and uh, it's just now it's like it's like the website boom in 2000s it was like wow you know websites yeah website you were you were like shooting up and then yeah. uh, look at us now everybody has everybody and anyone and their mothers having a website now the game is how are you going to differentiate yourself from the masses so that's right yeah it's, it's a bit of different game you know
0: well i was talking to another uh, independent artist he was saying that the way that it's working now is they used to have contracts with the record companies and now with the whole social media platform what they're doing is giving 360 deals so it's just basically coming back around seeing what you can do to promote yourself and then they're taking a cut to try and help you promote on as well yep. so it's a lot different than it was back you know 20 years ago before all this stuff came out so that's just an interesting fact that he had brought up yeah and and, and even the contracts that
1: uh, record labels would draft up back then some of them were aggressive but now we're hearing a lot about the 3 360 deals it's probably probably over that right now but 360 deals where the the record label wants everything wants to touch all revenue streams uh for the artist like everything 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 so it's it's you know it's changed I haven't haven't been looking at uh, or comparing uh, record labels very much lately because when I released my album it was a, it was a choice it was I remember one day I was there and uh, it was in 2006 and yeah in 2006 that's when I I actually created that record label and I remember there sitting there with a lawyer in Montreal on, I don't know what in Bonaventure on like I think it was I don't know he's on there on the top level and we went there and I met him and, and my main goal of that meeting was to know whether I should take the approach of independent artists or if I should actually prepare myself for a record label and at that time I said no like the world's going indie like everybody's going independent everybody's go, like the, the way social is going the way everything's going yeah like you'll have more budget more marketing dollars behind you if you have a record label but again like they'll take so much and it's it's much more difficult to get that deal that you're you're looking for especially as an upcoming artist so the independent route really really was something that uh was really interesting at that time and uh but i learned the hard way because that right after that meeting he's like okay so how do you want to settle this this uh this meeting right now it was four hundred and ten dollars an hour so i said okay <laughs> there you go welcome to the indie world
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so speaking of that, your album in 2007 was called Nouvelle Autrefois. I'm not yeah. very French, so I don't really pronounce it that great. What's the meaning of that album? What's the title translate into It's Something around the lines of new old day or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, you actually got it pretty well.
1: Uh, nouvelle
0: Autrefois. is just the, the second word there. So
1: Nouvelle Autrefois is like, I never actually sat down to try to translate this in English, but it's like a new a new past, if you will, or a new outlook on the past. So I think that was the whole concept of the album it was just like in life sometimes what you'll do is you'll you'll go through things and then you'll have memories or you'll have this kind of like feeling of oh I went through this time in my life and it was either a good memory a bad memory or whatever it was but then sometime like after a couple of years you might look back and you might have a different feeling or understand the situation or that life moment let's just say in a different way so that's what it meant it meant like it was a nouvelle autrefois because you can be looking behind and understand or see something new you know just by elevating yourself and 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 you know living you know and just kind of evolving
0: now a lot of your music did it come from inspirations just from life experiences or was it more just for the fun of it which one was it because i know some artists just kind of write music just you know whatever comes into their head and they just write it they don't base it on any personal experience how is it for you uh i love that question because like what it is is basically it was a mix
1: it would always start i think i think most artists do this as well but you start with like some life experience and then you take it somewhere else you take it to another it's almost like you'll amplify it and let your imagination take it to extremes if you will so like it will start like the the seed itself it has to start somewhere with some kind of something some kind of inspiration a lot of times I would be walk. I'd like to walk around just observe like I would literally spend the day in the metro or I'd spend the day walking around uh, at night and uh, just observing everywhere because then when you're putting yourself in a state of just sensing feeling observing looking around that's when I think a lot of my best work actually came about as as well. Sometimes I'll dig a little, I would dig a little bit deeper and I'd think about something that I just wanted to kind of like put out there based on experience. And a lot of artists will do that. It's just an outlet. It's an outlet way to say and express uh, either hard times, good times, fun times, anything. But in general, I think it's, it's a mix of the two, which is really just like real life experience. But then there's a part of it that I just want to, you want to use your imagination and you want to take the listeners somewhere else. And then more and more as I went on, there's a couple of other songs in the album, like you'll hear, um, and these are old, this is old music by the way but you know since we're talking about it we're talking about career path it's fun to kind of look back and just talk about these things because today is the music that i would do would be completely different well you know what never not completely different you can't you can't deny completely your past it is part of you my 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 point was i was more and more i was having fun with it and i was just like you know one of the songs that became a single jam jammy was a song that was written in like maybe an hour you know whereas i would normally spend times like really ridiculously thinking about rhymes and and making it in the french language especially, there's a style that's called, in poetry, I'm sure it exists in English too, but it's Alexandrin, the Alexandrian maybe, and what it is, it's 12 syllables, 12 syllables, 12 syllables per line with a rhyme, but it was more of a rap style. So it became poetry, you know, I would take a lot of time, I'd be very meticulous, I would actually have my my dictionary, my synonym book, and I'd literally like, I would stack up my references and I'd really, really want to write quality, quality lyrics, you know, and words. And then more and more as I went on, it was just more about fun, more about just playing the music 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 itself and melodies and that's that's where i kind of am today so but i can't like i said i can't deny the past it's it's something that kind of also helped me like whenever i wanted to dig into the past and and try a similar type of style i could you know
0: so two of my favorite songs on there and you have to excuse my french because (laughs) i don't i don't really speak french i'm still from my high school french um the first one is la freedom okay nice haven't heard that in a while
2: Et la dégâts va en main Je suis responsable de ma vie Et tu es de la tienne L'internet que je cherche de pas dans le système je J'attends pas que devienne un L'un solace n'importe que tu dis nation Mais la question se pose pourquoi a-t-il visé ma maison hein. Lors de ma jeunesse Vous connaissez déjà l'histoire Le passé qui est en arrière C'est dans le futur qu'il faut croire Mais croire en quoi Si nous voulons coexister La présence de la fierté rend difficile l'accent Des d'échanger Mais va dire pour contempler Tour les événements de ma vie Près de la cathédrale Je vais monter de ma biographie sur la pierre tombale De ma grand-mère lorsqu'elle est décédée J'ai retrouvé mon crayon Sa mémoire et je touchais le passé, ce que j'ai cru personne ne vu, ce que j'ai vu, personne ne cru Tellement que la scène m'est apparue, ne me ressuscine une, une fois, fois de plus, je visais le monde entier sans exagérer comme certains me connaissent Donnez-moi la chance de réaliser ma promesse
0: that song, like it has a really good flow to it, a really good beat to it. Uh, what's that song about? Wow, that's a good one. Um, I think that was that's the, that's the freedom that everybody wants.
1: I'm just trying to remember like some of the words in it because. Yeah, my actually... French isn't
0: good, so I don't understand <laughs> it.
1: Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the I think the chorus was a bit in English. So you had some words like I think it was freedom when you know your life is on the line. Freedom. You got to you got to. Anyway, it was more about. So it's about freedom of the moment, freedom of your time. Like everybody. It's just the freedom that everybody seeks, whether it be financial freedom whether it be freedom from, you know, your daily uh, nine to five or or just the country that you live in and the rules that you have to abide by or just even the um, being uh, there's a word and I can't remember, but just in society, when society just kind of like closes in on you, for example, the, the Black Lives Matter thing that happened. It's another example of it. So it's meant to be a song that people can relate to that and people can interpret in their own way because freedom to everyone is different. So what it would be for you and what it would be for, for your neighbor would be a completely different interpretation. Uh, Interpretation.
0: Yeah, and the, the other one that I wanted to play a little clip of and discuss was El Pleur de Hor.
2: Oh, yeah. So yeah, I can't say that properly it as well. Oh, yeah, El Pleur de car le studio est à mon accès. La planète ne cessera jamais de tourner. Pour chaque aventure, une nouvelle journée. feu de l'étoile vient de se créer. le passé SVP, Quand un violoniste est orchestre elle Elle demeurait, mais neuf sans deuxième force. Ça expérience dans la vie pour savoir qui commençait. Ah, yeah. Elle s'était lancée sans peur de leur pensée. Et maintenant, c'est leur choix. Leur choix embarque dans la vie.
1: So in French you could say il pleut dehors, which means it's raining outside. So instead of saying that, I flipped it and said elle. I mean, instead of il, il is for a man, elle is for a and woman. She, so I, she, yeah. I switched it to she. Instead of rain, she cries outside. Yeah. That was that that one. That song is pretty. It's pretty interesting. I think there's three pretty intense verses. Each one was a moment captured in real life of experience in real life. Like there's I could I could me- remember vividly walking down, you know, at night and uh, crossing paths with uh, this girl, for example, where she was wearing a hat and then turning around and she disappeared. But then there was a man sitting on a park bench and uh, reading his newspaper. And then I kind of transported myself to a time when I was in this conference where there was these famous authors that were giving speeches. And I kind of jumped from memory to memory. And then one of the verses actually talk about my experience in the metro, the metros of Montreal. So that that one was interesting. That's me. carrying a notebook and going around roaming around and literally just writing ideas down everywhere that I went and just the melody itself and and the rhymes and the way the song came together with the guitar and and the beat it was a fun song and I think that uh, yeah till this day I'll
0: I think I'll uh, I can appreciate that moment we're gonna take a quick break to help out another podcast every 73 seconds someone is sexually assaulted in the United States We are here to tell you, you are not alone. Blackbird, an advocacy podcast tells the stories of victims and survivors of true crime, with a focus on the support these survivors need. We provide information for those who have endured trauma and for those who love someone who has. Tune in every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear these stories of hope, survival, and empowerment. No one should go through this alone. We believe you that was sarah from blackbird an advocacy podcast make sure to tune in and hit that subscribe button now in 2016 and i still oh. remember this day actually very clearly our neighbor and one of our best friends and your cousins uh you actually featured their kids in a music video oh wow want to talk about that one? Oh yeah that one was great i think to, i think that's gonna be forever a song that i'm
1: oh my god if you only knew what went into that song like but that song itself is such a great representation of everything that I am, pretty much, and the people who surround me. So I don't know how to explain this, like where to start. That song was filmed in three cities Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto. So many things happened in, in the background while we were filming this. We put things together. The whole, okay, so the song is called From Here. The
2: curse was once so far, a fallen path. Just
1: it's all about feeling the way. Those are some of the words that I use in there. In other words, following your intuition. And that's exactly how that video and that song was created. It was coming at a time with extreme change. was how it was happening around me in terms of what what was going on in terms of music, the music industry and and where I was going to be living and moving and and going around. But this song was such a solid, solid type of magical, I don't know, masterpiece that came together where I contacted one of my uh, friends who lived in in Toronto who was a um, a photographer videographer which whom I worked with 10 years ago but I knew that he was the one I had to contact for the vision for this video and what we did is part of it was filmed well he came with me we went to Montreal we filmed in two or three different locations there and they were amazing locations and it was it was crazy because the whole thing and at that time I lived in Montreal and the whole thing how do I say it, like came together even last minute we decided to take drone shots the day before before. The 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 way that the I don't know if you saw the music video, but there's yep. a park bench that's right there on the water, but the water was like flooded, and it's almost yep. like you know when you think about it, it was almost like predicting the future because after that we had a flood. Like I don't know, right. it was only a couple years ago, and that that often happens to me with music. I don't know what it is, but I'll write a song and I'll, I'll just put it out there, and it's it's me somehow I don't know manifesting a future because every time I look back, I'm like, man, that song just describes today. It's just crazy, but everything from like the park bench to the locations that we picked i mean i was there scouting a location i was very involved like when in my videos i'm very hands-on not only in the music side but on the video production side that whole music video i edited and i had my videographer co-direct if you will but i mainly directed it and we essentially like i said it wasn't something where we wrote a story and we're like okay we're gonna do this it was like everything was happening and then at the end the magic happened in post-production it was almost like that again nouvelle you know me looking back at everything that happened and then making sense of it but again like we had we did have some concepts and some things that we wanted to shoot like okay drone shots uh in toronto we went to um you might know this it's i think it's called bridal bridal veil or where the bridal path bridal path yeah down down there where there's those uh white type of mountains which were phenomenal and then in montreal there's other which is funny because i would be scouting locations or i'd be just there brainstorming in the park and i would overhear well what happened was i saw two people flying a drone and i said wow and we started talking and i said, yeah, you know what, like, where can I, I I need a drone, you know, like tomorrow I'm shooting. And he's like, this is where you can get it. And this is what it is. And so on the next day I went and I got it. But the thing is, and he's like, and I was telling him about my story. And then he's like, you know, yeah, you know, another, a good location, you'd have to go here. And it was this old type of, I don't want to say bomb shelter, but in Montreal, there's a place where it used to be a war type of, uh, I don't even know what they call it anymore. It was called uh, something to Howard. Um, If I ever find it, I'll I'll try to to send it your way, but you'll go there and you'll see this old war type type of bomb shelters type of army place there and, and then what happened is it got transformed into this huge artistic place where people would go and do graffitis on the wall and, and it would be all transformed into like big huge peace signs and rocks and uh, it was just the complete opposite so i would have never known what that about that location if i had not just at the day before spoke with somebody along the way and and you know like somebody who works in in uh who does video or you know or photography or anything they really need a strict schedule you know know we're going to shoot stuff but him that him in particular there was this magic thing where he understood that if we left a little bit of flexibility magic could happen and that's essentially what happened like i can't i could probably go on but in in a nutshell that was pretty much the experience of that clip and the beautiful part about it is that i had my my two little nieces in there or my 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 cousin's uh, daughters in there that was last minute they came in there they played an amazing part i had a homeless person who lived only like a block away from where i used to live and i used to always stop by and and say hello to him and one you know he'd sometimes he'd invite me on the sidewalk for a beer you know and i'd sit there and and chat with him i said you know what i'm gonna get you in my video and he came in my video nevertheless you know and i paid him and everything and and he was happy to be there but he was the most intense and amazing character i don't know if you saw the video but he was wearing this jacket a leather jacket and it said pilot on the side and then we were panning up his body and then all of a sudden like you see his big beard and then you see his face and he played such an important character in the video because what was happening is that when christina my my uh Uh, I call her my niece when she was kind of passing her hand on that wall close to bridal path which I don't know if you've seen it but it's a huge painting on a huge wall which was I think it was painted there by either the um, aboriginals or uh, the Mexican type of um, organization or association to show kind of like the bond that Canada had with Mexico and as she was passing her hand on the wall at the same time I was walking in a place where it was destruction and that place was the Mirabel airport and that's another gem of a location that nobody will ever see that footage ever again because it's completely completely destroyed and we had drone shots and everything but it like i said like that's what i mean when i say it all came together in the end it was really much the best representation of who i am in a video and i think i'll forever be proud of that and there was hours and hours put into it basically that was
0: what i was going to ask next how long (laughs) does it usually take to make a video So, I mean, uh, it
1: depends, right? Like, cause now I've been doing videos for 10 years. I do them for clients. I currently work in digital marketing. So right now, actually at this very moment, I'm working with artists to help them in their careers with, uh, with the company that I'm with in digital marketing. A lot of times, you know, creating video, a lot of it depends on the vision and how creative you are required to be. If it's my own vision, it might be a little easier, but I might also be a little bit more pickier. But a lot of times if a client or an artist comes in and says I want this and you give them this it can take it can take an hour two hours three hours but a music video like this especially when it involves like it's a different type of production anybody who does music videos will tell you this is that it takes a lot longer than you think especially because there are parts that you know you have the artist interpreting the song during the video so you have to kind of match the words with the with the, the mouth and sometimes the camera is too far and and sometimes it's not on tempo and then you know and it has to be artistic and all that so the video from here it actually took a good two months or something even after uh we filmed everything filming is like it'll take you two three days four days that's that's and i'm not gonna editing is the tough part yeah it's a tough part i'm not gonna say i'm not going to devalue the part where you actually shoot the video because it takes an extreme amount amount of resources (laughs) even the fact that i went uh that's the other thing behind the scenes is that i had i had drove all the way down to to toronto for this video in my car and And my car broke down in toronto so i couldn't even i couldn't even go back so i mean all this thing all this was happening in the same week in the same three days that i had to shoot this video but it was that's what i'm saying it was just such a i don't know how to explain it
0: it was like a you know when they say like you you got to put pressure on the diamond well that's what it was yeah (laughs) yeah i know like all too much about editing and i I don't know about the video editing portion of it but now that we're into the podcast thing you know you record an episode and that's the easy part the hard part of it is is going back and editing it and we just did a live show on monday night with a couple from texas and it was fantastic we had so much fun it was about a three-hour show and we had a bunch of people that came into the room and listened to the podcast but now we want to put it up as an actual episode for those who haven't heard it and i've worked on this thing for three straight days just to edit the audio portion of it (laughs) yeah so i mean it's not even a video that i have to match anything to but you know you want to get out that hissing in the background and you want to get out the a lot of the ums and a lot of the you know kind of when your mouth gets dry you make that kind of clicking sound with your mouth and stuff like that so you know you kind of want to edit all of that out because you go through and you listen to a lot of uh, different audio from podcasts to to music and if it's not professionally done you know you kind of get tuned off from listening to it right right. and I want our product to sound good whereas I listen to other podcasts and and no knock against them that's that's their choice if they want to edit it or not or whatever they want to do with it but I I can't listen to it that way because we became perfectionists now with all this editing yeah and that the toughest part of it. So I can, I feel your pain, not as much as <laughs> you have to go through, but for us just to edit the audio, we know it's a, it's a bugger, yeah. but for video, it must be 10 times harder, even more.
1: hundred uh, percent. I wouldn't say necessarily 10 times. I mean, there's just, it's just what it does, it, it adds a dimension. It adds another dimension. It's kind of like, you could probably, if you were, you were to learn the skill, you would probably be able to do it your, yourself as well. But what it does is now you're synchronizing uh, audio, video visuals, and it's, it's a whole different sensation when you're going through it. Like audio, Audio podcast is just that people could be listening to this in the car. They could be listening to this right. uh, in their earphones, which more and more people, it was surprisingly enough, people are, are actually leaning more towards the podcast because of the... Sorry, this is like a fly here. I'm trying to get rid of it for the past second. Okay, <laughs> But they're leaning more and more towards the podcast. But I actually did at some point, I had a, a little bit of a series that I had created called The Artist Capsule. And what I would do is I wanted this to be on Instagram and I wanted this to be like a new thing on Instagram and so on. But I discovered there were so many bugs. So, you know, the Instagram feature where you can kind of like you can go live with someone. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, so I, I ended up doing that and we I did about like six or, or seven artists from around the world and it was going great. But it was more of an experiment because nobody had really attempted to do like a series on Instagram. Instagram, every other platform. Yes. But Instagram was so experimental. And there I was trying to like share their video, play their songs. And then the editing at the end was, you know, times whatever, times 10. Yeah. Especially an an hour long episode. You can imagine what goes into that. Gosh, 100
0: percent. Yeah. I mean, just a, a three hour episode took me three days. At the end of the day, I'm still not done with it. I'm still editing in like some advertisements and, you know, a couple of music here and there and, you know, sound effects and stuff like that. Not that we have that many of them, but you still have your Your intro to the to the podcast, and then you have your outro at the end and stuff like that. So there's so many things that you have to put into editing, and sometimes it drives you nuts. But if you want a good product, hey, you got to go with it, right? You got to love it. You have to love it. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you doing for music now? What are you up to now? So I'd say that right now, at this very
1: moment, I'm working on projects, but more uh, for other artists. So within our uh, digital marketing company, I work more on the social media side of things, and our role is well, especially when it comes to the music industry or an artist um social media is inevitable like you really have to master that so right now as we speak we're working with an artist and uh he's just basically blowing up we've got him on the iTunes top uh, 100 he's actually in the 12th position in Canadian iTunes charts right now so oh, wow. it's phenomenal in other words it's me being artistic but not being the artist so uh and helping using all the the valuable experience that I've had over the t- past 10 years so basically all that put into one and
0: and now I'm just able to help like uh, other artists we're going to take another break to help out another podcast
1: hey everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole
0: family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandruss.com And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. That was Nick and Russ from Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. So going into what you're doing for your career now, you're doing the digital marketing aspect of it and you're helping out with, I guess, different music artists to promote their stuff on social media. Yeah. We have this conversation amongst ourselves in our in these podcast groups and everybody talks about SEO optimization. Everybody talks about proper hashtags. Everyone talks about different ways to try and get your product out there. Yeah. What is your suggestion as to try to hit the market, I guess, as hard as possible, the easiest way possible? And I know nothing is easy, but at the same time, how do you get your name out there properly? Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I mean, there's a difference, right? If you're an artist, it's going to be way different than if you're a local business, and uh, if or if you're a personality, a public personality. So a lot of times, what it is, it's just it's understanding the platforms first of all, and understanding what's popping and what's coming up. Like TikTok right now is is caught the whole social media by storm. Essentially, social media at the very base is is a, it's an animal on its own and it has an algorithm. So and it's changing. Like, like Instagram isn't what it used to be. Facebook isn't what it used to be. TikTok just came out of nowhere. Snapchat is still around, you know. Um, stories is becoming something that's really, really common. And you as an artist or you as an entrepreneur or you as a, as a podcaster got to figure this thing out. Like, okay, wh- like, wh- where am I going to put this content? How am I going to get eyeballs on it? So, I mean, it really depends. It depends. If you're a dentist, maybe you don't need to be on, uh, I don't know, like TikTok. But at the same right. time, you're limiting yourself because now more and more, I'm discovering that actually there are a lot of dentists on TikTok, but that's not the point. The point is what format does the platform require for it to thrive, let's just say. So on Instagram it used to be that, you know, people used to post their pictures and then uh, you used to use some hashtags and you'd get a lot of views. And more and more videos becoming important even on Instagram. And I don't know if you remember, and back in the day, Instagram used to be much more for like, you know, beauty and like aesthetics and and photography and things like that, but more and more now it's everything. You you're going to yeah. get fitness, you're going to get dentists, you're going to get lawyers, you're going to get accountants, anything. So it became something that people were so scared to touch back in the day. But it, it's almost like you have to have this mindset that ev- nothing is is uh, constant. It's constantly going to be changing. So to adapt, I would say in social media is the number one thing. But if you ask me for an artist, what's important, it's almost like they have the biggest job in terms of being present on all social media platforms. This guy has to work on Twitter. He has to work on TikTok. He has to work on YouTube. YouTube you asked to push Facebook. I mean, what it is, it's because as an artist, what you want to do, even as a celebrity or as a personality, you wanna be able to create content and push it out to as many platforms as you can. But by just by just pushing it, that's not enough. We have to be able no. to re reformat them for the platform, repurpose them. Like you can't put a, a twenty minute YouTube video on Instagram. Well, you can now with IGTV, but you know what I mean? It's not the same. But YouTube yeah. right now is coming out with this um, Is It's it's actually coming out with a version similar to TikTok and um, and Instagram in terms of stories. Because now it knows. It's like when you're filming like this, everything is filmed like this now in mobile format. Because everybody's on their phones. They're looking at your stuff. Literally, people will be listening to this podcast on their phone. So even the image that you're going to use as the um, podcast. Well, now even noticing that the formats of your profile images are now circular. They're all circles. In the past, it used to be square. So it's like if I were to be here and give you... I can't give you like one piece of advice that's like, that's how you're going to do it. No, the way to to be is to constantly be observing what's happening because, because TikTok was not there even six months ago. It was nowhere on the planet and now it's just completely blown up. It's created influencers out of people who would never imagine themselves being influencers. So, and then here you have another category of people who are working so hard to get their content out like you and I or whoever are trying to format it in a great way and edit it in a way where it's, the quality's great, perfect. And then yet you have these other people who are just there with their phones and they're doing this and boom, you got a million views. So yeah. y- you got to understand the game. You got to understand what's going on because it's not all about talent, but it's more about format and find, finding the perfect fit. So that's what I would say in a nutshell.
0: So for me, I find like working with these groups that I'm in on Facebook or on Instagram, it's building actual connections with people. Sure, your product has to be put out there, but without building these connections, no Nobody's ever going to see or hear your stuff. Nobody's going to be able to tune into you. So I try to connect with a lot of people in these groups. I try to do a lot of collaborations with some of these people. And that's the way you're going to get your views out there right now. Belonging to these groups has gotten us quite a few listeners and which is a good thing. But I mean, it's not the be all end all for us to actually get our podcasts out there. But it helps. And that's why we're saying like we didn't know the exact formula. There's well, you're never going to know the exact formula for getting your podcast out there, whatever product you're trying to promote. Um, but like you said, you know, you have on YouTube, you have these little kids that are going on there and playing with these little dolls and they're getting 20 million views on this channel. And I'm, and we're sitting there going like, okay, we're working so hard at this. And all they're doing is playing with little toys. Like maybe that's something we need to do, start playing with little toys on the, on the internet and we'll get noticed, right?
1: Yeah, but I will say yeah. this, Tom, I will say what you just said there is probably the most important thing out of everything. And I don't know why I didn't say it in the beginning, but it's I think I agree with you a hundred percent, and which is connection. <laughs> now, how you connect? That's your problem. Like, you gotta figure it out. Like, TikTok might be the way you connect. In TikTok, the format, like you'll see, like the people who come from Instagram and go to TikTok, you'll notice they have like they have to change. The people who came from Vine, remember back when they used to be Vine, and then Musically, yep. and then all, all those. Even Viners, even YouTubers are coming to like Superwoman, she's from Toronto. She's uh Lily, you know, the uh the YouTuber. She 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 just only now joined TikTok. And but now she's like, oh, well, yes, I can't ignore it. Like you have Jason Derulo, you have all the artists, you have Van Dam, you have like, you know what I mean? Like everybody and, and their mamas are on TikTok right now. But the thing is, you have to know how to use it. You can't come right. with the mentality of YouTube. If you come with a YouTube mentality on TikTok or even a podcast mentality, nobody's going to listen. It's not about that. It's about 15 second clips. It's about punchlines. It's about it's almost like Vine, but it's like trend stacking the past. You're stacking trends, video plus hashtags, plus sound bites now. We didn't have that before. Now you can you can no. get popular by a sound. So it's crazy. Like, to, like when you start understanding it, it's it, the, the most important thing is to connect. Yes. And to adapt those two things, then you're unstoppable.
0: Well, using TikTok, if you're if you're talking about that, you would more use it probably just to kind of do something funny or do something just to promote your podcast. You're not throwing your podcast down there. You're saying it's like a 15 second video. So you're just wanting to promote it on there. And that's pretty much it. And then try to drive your subscribers over to your channels. Uh, yeah. For your podcast or to your YouTube channel or whatever it is that you, you advertise or you put your podcast out onto,
1: 100. percent And you know Gary V says this, and I follow a lot of these these uh, people in social media because they're geniuses. and And he says this. He says we have to stop putting our I don't know what to call this. Like, let's just say you have a series or you have a, a, a title for your series or your podcast or or, or whatever. We have to start putting. We have to stop putting that on the pedestal. And you know what we have to we have to do? We have to put the content on the pedestal. So that one piece of content, a 15 second thing. That's the most important thing right now. It's not so much the whole like global, you know, this is Joe and he's on uh, the the Today Show and blah, blah, blah. That Nobody cares about that. They care about that one piece of content that's 15 seconds that that, can, that essentially connects with them in that, that moment. If you can do that and you, you'll end up connecting with millions. And then later on, they're all going to be funneled and transferred to your Instagram, YouTube or other channels just because of that piece of content. So it's like it's the content. It, it's, it's those pieces, those 15 seconds, those five seconds here and there it's not so much the one hours and two hours you know what i mean that you and i work so hard for it really is just those spurts so maybe what you do is you go you create a tiktok channel and you just give like the highlights of an interview or so on i've seen so many people doing this or just giving tips tiktok now is becoming an area where people can learn like i don't know if you could see this basically let me just show you like if you look at so if you if you see the tiktok like at the top right corner now there's a light bulb yeah there's a light bulb you click on that and it says learn on tiktok so now all the all of a sudden now it's becoming educational but the thing is everything starts with entertainment and then when you add e- education to it, it's like edutainment so it's yeah. like you know what i mean like it's so just be observant and know those things but again it doesn't take away from your your meta strategy but it's just like those bits and pieces those are the things that can can make the real difference for you it's like
0: so i had an interesting conversation with another podcaster that started at the same time i did and he he kind of posted something that said he reached his first episode uh, that had a thousand listens for just that one episode <laughs> exactly. and i was like, hey, Like, how how did you do that so quickly? And he said, the trick is, is to get guests on your show because they help promote your show on their social media channels. So there's another, I guess, avenue that you can take in terms of getting the listens out and getting it out right. Cross promoting. Yeah. I mean, that's since the beginning of time. I mean, that's that's always been the case. I mean, people
1: just having conversations, cross promoting each other. I mean, even the biggest YouTubers, the biggest influencers, they all do it. They know the power of what it is to create content in class collaboration with others because all of a sudden, first of all, you bring out themes and, and, and topics that you couldn't necessarily just think of on your own, but then at the same time, you're introducing you to a new audience. So yeah, awesome.
0: So is there anything else that you want to mention about your career path right now? Well,
1: it's basically ongoing. Music is still a big, big, big part of the uh, of the objective here. It's not it's far from long gone. It's, it's kind of nice because it, you come back full circle and you end up working with artists like these that are, are actually hitting like charts and doing amazing things. It's it's definitely my goal is to kind of come full circle and get back into music and re- and release something pretty soon. And where can people find your music right now? Well, I'd say the best thing to do is to follow me as a person because whatever I do, the music will follow. So uh, if you just check out like XLA Music on Instagram or Facebook, those are probably the two ma- main best places that you could find me. Whatever I'll be doing, I may be doing a little bit of music. I may be talking about life tips or just my passion in
0: general or photography. But if you follow me as a person, the music will come and uh, will follow. <laughs> as well. See, that's a good answer. I like that. It's follow me as a person. There's too many times that you see, you know, give me a follow and I'll follow you back. And, you know, you really don't kind of communicate with the person. But if you do follow the person and you you start to see what their life is like and what's going on in their lives and, you know, everything that branches off from their lives and their music or their careers and stuff, then you get to know the person. It's so much better.
1: And it doesn't limit you, right? You could you could do many things in life. If you, if you just stick to, for example, I'm the music person. Well, then if you share something else, it's like, wait a minute, why is he? And you see this all often where you see actors taking on other projects. They create brands. They do things. They have clothing lines. They have, you know, all kinds of stuff. So at the end of the day, you are the kind of like the
0: central type of hub, if you will. And, uh, you know, you just bear fruit. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, awesome. But before we go tonight, I have kind of a request from our mutual contact there. <laughs> and he said that he wants you to explain a late night trip to a Chinese restaurant in Montreal. <laughs> So he told me that you need to explain this on, on the show.
1: Wow. Okay, that's 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 a pretty deep one. Okay, John, my cousin, came to visit in in Montreal and uh, we said, let's go, let's meet up and have dinner at a Chinese restaurant, a Chinese buffet downtown, kind of like in the Chinatown of Montreal. And so on my way there, basically, I'll just get to the end of the story. I surprised him, and I was supposed to show up alone, but I showed up with a guest. And the guest was somebody who I had had met along the way. And she was singing in the metros and she was homeless and uh, she was just singing with a uh, opera style and I was just I stopped and I'm like and of course Joe you know or aka Excella being the artist or style like just observing life as I normally do I just stopped and I wanted to observe and then I even questioned and that's how I normally get inspiration but in that moment I was like wow like what are you doing singing in the metro and this and that and she was like all of a sudden very defensive and so on and she obviously needed you know to survive at that moment and needed um, help financially so I'm like yeah like I just ended up giving her $5 and I started talking to her she just was shocked a little bit because I had stopped and paid attention to her kind of. And then we started walking together in the metro. And by the time I knew it, before I knew it, we were, we're walking. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you just join me and we'll go to dinner? And I'm, I'm on my way to my uh to visit to see my cousin and she, you know, we'll have dinner and all us together. And she goes, she says, You don't mind? And I said, and, and you know, so we all went. But along the way, I had this incredible conversation with her, and she was like telling me about how all the hardships that she's been going through and like how her dad was drugging her, and basically she and how she ended up there. And she was extremely she was educated and but just somehow ended up on the streets. So it just became this story of like like don't judge a book by its cover so when I ended up showing up there at the restaurant (laughs) John was there we basically um, introduced her to him and he didn't know what was going on he was like was like okay it's your friend whatever okay so we sat down and then she started more and more and we we started talking by the end of it John was like what like she's extremely intellectual I don't get it and then I explained to him later on because during that time it wasn't like the time or place but afterwards she was so thankful for that and I had walked her back after John left I'd walked her back to the uh, the metro station I guess and, uh, and she she said, listen, I want to thank you. I want to uh, to give you something. And uh, she pulled out of her garbage bag uh, an album. And I don't know if I have it here. Will I? Do I? It says, you know, if I did, that would be magical. I actually don't, but it's basically it's um, a CD. Okay. And it was Alan Jackson CD from a garbage bag that she had pulled. That's all her belongings were in there and she wanted to thank me with that and that it basically said the album name was Here in the Real World and that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, wow, because I believe things happen for a reason and um, she signed it on the inside and she signed it Copper Rose and that was her name and she has an artist name, I guess she was like a kind of like a poet. So and then she wanted to keep in touch so I gave her my, my contacts. A month later, I think it was Chris Christmas, I get a letter, long letter, two, three page letter handwritten and her basically saying like, thank you so much. I did not believe in humanity anymore until you did this and then and she basically just thanked me so much. And she basically also kind of like used it as an outlet. But it was just incredible, like a handwritten letter of three pages and then followed up by a Christmas card. So it's just incredible like that, that type of and that's that's one of a couple of situations that I've been in like that where people would be like, whoa, whoa what are you doing? Like you're kind of like, you know, you're crossing the line here you're doing whatever but it, it just shows you like what, what happens when you really really have that human connection you know and, and that was an amazing, amazing experience for me in life lesson to be to be honest
0: and i think that's what it comes back to is the human connection part of it so much that we're wrapped up on the internet and social media and there's not enough human connection and we don't make those connections outside of our homes or just our, our group of friends or kind of our social circles and i think it's very important that you make these kind of connections i mean we used to work with a homeless Uh, mission and we used to talk to a lot of the people that were out in the shelters and stuff like that and it's just the stories that you hear are just heartbreaking and they're inspirational and all that kind of stuff and it just it it amazes me so John actually told me that he wanted me (laughs) to ask you about this story and that you you should be telling it online that one's
1: for you John Mm
0: -hmm. but uh, on on that topic too
1: Tom what was important what you said is that a lot of people forget this but on social media you might have something like five likes or ten likes on a post or this that. But in your mind, you should be thinking if these five or 10 people walked into your house, you'd have a full house. Like that, that's how we should be looking at it. Like people will be like, oh, man, I only got 10 views. That's 10 people that viewed yeah. it. So I mean, you mean like wh- that's that's I think that's when you look at it that way. Now you're starting to understand what it means to connect because yeah. every person who is listening to your podcast right now and who is uh, liking it or or commenting on it, it may not be a million. It may eventually get to a million. But the whole point is, I think if we make that Contact one-on-one with each of them and appreciate the ones who are listening at this time, it's going to be a lot easier to scale later because that's that's how it's going to be built. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to
0: probably wrap this up unless there's anything else you have to say. No, I'm good, Tom. Thanks very much for having me. It was really really great. Oh, no, thanks for coming on the show. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this episode. We want to thank Joe for coming on the show today. If there are any other social media links that you want to kind of just give out right now, here's your chance. Excellent. Music basically everywhere on on Facebook, uh, Instagram, everywhere else. Perfect. And we're going to post those in the show notes, and we're actually posting it on our website as well. So again, we're going to thank Joe for coming on the show. And as always, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we'll see you later. Here we go now!